Golden Dale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Thrupier, on another terrific, terrifying <laughs> Tuesday, friends, Tortured Poor 313 on criminals and climate crazies. The two groups have much more in common than you might think. Uh, and in order to really connect the dots here, we're going to have to read between the lies. Uh, a lot of stuff we're going to get into here later in the report talking about uh, terrorism and rounding up terrorists and throwing them into terrorist imprisonment camps and this kind of thing. Uh, but to really discern the distinction between fact and fiction and what's real and, and what's not, in order to read between the lines, oftentimes we have to just sit with it for a bit. And that, that phrase, sit with it, it's kind of fascinating to me. It was, it was sound advice that was given to me way back in the day when I was just a, a little punk kid, uh, you know, learning some martial arts from the martial arts master, you know, teaching me to sit still and just observe back, you know, what's going on in my mind. And of course, back then... I was a young, rowdy rebel rouser, you know, which is not to be confused with a being a middle-aged rabble rouser, which, of course, is, uh, you know, that would make me a, a demagogic, demagogic threat to my friends. I digress. Let's just sit with it for a bit here. Experience indicates that simply sitting still in silence allows space for the mind to synthesize life experience often allowing us to connect the dots in ways that a, a busy and distracted mind may not be able to do. Too often, uh, we overlook the obvious because our minds is racing, racing, racing. We don't allow ourselves the time to just slow down and sit with it for a bit. So if you haven't already, I would recommend playing around with that from time to time, just taking a deep breath and relaxing, just sitting with it for a bit. And several times throughout the report today, uh, I am going to to prompt you to sit with it. Just just sit with it for just a bit. And and the better you know, better yet, make it a habit, friends. Turn sitting with it uh, into a mental habit, and you may find uh, some astounding insights. And if you do, I would love to hear from you and share with me some of these insights because I'm sure I'm missing lots of stuff every damn day. <laughs> but I do want to communicate from my heart. That there's a lot going on in the world, and, and we need to just sit with it a lot of times just to find solutions. Now, on that note, one might think, we may speculate, that criminals who get locked up, okay, we're talking about criminals and climate crazies today, but the criminals, when criminals get locked up, they have plenty of time to sit around and think about their criminal ways. And if if that uh, you know state-facilitated reflection Maybe that would lead to some personal insights. Maybe it would lead to repentance and reformed behavior. You know, maybe if these criminals would spend a little more time just sitting with the reality, the consequences of the behavior, they wouldn't be so inclined to a life of crime. But friends, as you probably already know, the data tells a different story. It turns out that recidivism, which is the, the repeat offenders returning to prison, it's a highly predictable pattern. It actually happens nearly 80% of the time. 80% of the time that somebody commits a crime, gets caught, locked up, thrown in jail, 80% of the time when they get released, they go back out there and do it again. If they have 10 or more prior arrests, that number goes way above 80%, pushing 90% of the time. So we can see that even though they have ample time to sit with it, they're not, uh, they're not necessarily feeling bad about their behavior, and so they go back out onto the streets to continually and repeatedly pillage the village. Now. 
Interestingly enough, as I was digging into this today, I learned a lot of things I hadn't hadn't seen before, looked at numbers I hadn't looked at before. According to the Department of Justice, the total number of prisoners in the United States actually peaked at about 1.6 million prisoners. That was back in 2009. When Obama took office, he started you know, uh, implementing policy reform, police reform, prison reform, and the numbers have been steadily declining ever since. I put links in the report today for the data from 2013, 2019, uh, 2018, and 2020. Since 2019, there has been a remarkable 15% decrease in the number of prisoners. Wow, that's great news, right? Wrong. You know, this is this 15% decrease in the number of prisoners is due largely to the fact that these criminals have just been released back out into their communities. Again, to repeatedly pillage the village, to continue their life of crime. And this is all being done under the guise of prison reform. And one might assume that this has uh, been a boon for equity. However, <laughs> you know, it, it's been really great for the battle against systemic racism. If you were to look at the data, the graph from the uh, Borough of Justice Statistics, the Borough of Justice Statistics. I put a little graph here, a screenshot, friends. If you're listening on a podcast platform, please know that you have to go to thetorchreport.com, thetorchreport.com. Check out Torch Report 313. You could see this little graph that shows the uh, the the number of U.S. citizens or residents who are imprisoned right now, uh, if you were to look at the the white and Asian populations, they're pretty much steady. Hispanics gone down a little bit, but boy, the uh, the black population in the prisons has de- decreased dramatically, dramatically over the last uh, 13 years or so from 2010 till now. And you, you just look at that chart, a picture's worth a thousand words. You think, wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, if you really want to get a better understanding, uh, take a look at the underlying numbers, which paint a fuller picture there. I put the table in there. I'm not going to jump to any conclusions. And in the interest of time, I'm going to keep moving on. But I would say take a look at the numbers wherein the government has broken down the imprisonment rate it, the, 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 by race and ethnicity. Okay, Each demographic group in the prison is broken down right there, and you can take a look at it. Take a look at it and sit with it for a bit, just a breath or two. And then let's go ahead and zoom out, zoop, you know, way out here. Because while the U.S. is releasing criminals back out onto the streets with the 80% likelihood that they're going to continue to pillage the village, you know, liberals, they're at a loss as to why violent crimes are on the rise. I can't believe it, man. We let all these people out of prison, and now we got all this violence everywhere. The liberals, they cannot grasp why we're experiencing an unprecedented spike in murders all across the country. They, they, they want to shriek about defunding the police and, and systemic racism and, and all that without coming to grips with the reality that our communities are less safe now than they have been in years. Maybe that has everything to do with the fact we're turning these criminals back out on the streets. Maybe. I don't know. You know. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the world, say in El Salvador, for example, political leaders have unraveled the deep and mysterious criminal minds. They've discovered this one little trick that has led to an astounding 97% drop in their country's violent crime rate. Wow, what? Holy smoke, Zoics, how do they how do they how do they drop the crime rate by 97%? What's the little trick here? Friends, it's simple. Lock them up. That's the trick. 
You know, if you go around and you, you know, you take thousands of criminals off the street, you lock them into mega prison camps, then you have safer streets. That's the strategy. <laughs> and much to the surprise of the progressives, it actually works. Contrast that, the strategy of El Salvador with, with the, uh, the, the approach of turning criminals loose and the subsequent spike in violent crimes here in the USA. Think about those things for a second. Sit with it for a bit. You know, do you really think American politicians can't connect the dots? Are they incapable of seeing this? I mean, are they really that stupid and obtuse? You know, maybe. But I think it really doesn't make any sense as to why, uh, you know, the Democrats would be pushing to turn criminals loose on American communities unless you frame it within the context of trying to destroy our country. Of course, you know, they're destroying the country under the banner of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, it's all in the fight for systemic racism and all that. You know, all the rest of their, you know, myriad bullshit slogans, all this few good language, it cannot conceal the underlying facts. And when we look at the underlying facts, as we just did, of course, the picture isn't pretty. We're in a rough spot right now in the history of the good old U.S. of A. It should uh, come as no surprise, and I'm sure many in the audience already know, 27 out of the top 30 27 out of all the top 20, but 27 out of the top 30 most crime-ridden cities are all run by Democrats. Is that a surprise? Of course not. You know, these are the same shysters who are deploying commie tactics to destroy all aspects of existing society, of course, to pave the way for their socialistic fantasies. That's what we're up against right now. We're facing that, we're squaring off with it. But right now, in the here and now, in the present moment, I want to pivot a little bit because as I was reading about El Salvador, there was something that stood out to me. I was going to be talking all about just crime and criminals today, and I was really digging into the data. But I got in this article in El, about El Salvador, the, the criminal roundup in, in South America. I thought, whoa, you know, there's a few things that I want to point out. Number one, very important. The criminal roundup in El Salvador was kicked off under the guise of capitalizing on the 100% clean, 100% renewable, zero emission energy of their volcanoes. Okay, they wanted to use uh, geothermal energy from the volcanoes to fuel an emissions-free digital currency. Interesting idea there. The second thing I want to point out is that the investors from the global, the global investors, they didn't want to invest in the infrastructure in El Salvador because the record crime uh, record high crime rates. They actually had the highest crime rates in the world. And so hence, you know, the roundup of thousands of criminals, mostly gang members, and they were all detained in mega prison camps. That's not my words. That's a lot of articles out there about it. Put a link there in the report. But these mega prison camps are known as terrorist confinement centers. I thought, huh, interesting. The third thing I want to point out here before we really dive into this is that terrorism is a notoriously broad term. When I first read, I was like, huh, let's see. We got these, uh, you know, this, this climate agenda, 100% clean, 100% renewable, you know, zero emission energy and, and, and free digital current, emission-free digital currency. Wow, in order to achieve that, we have to lock up the terrorists in terrorist confinement centers. Interesting. Friends, I put a picture here in the report today, Torch Report 313 on criminals and climate crazies. And evidently, if one were to judge by their gear, the El Police, mean business. 
these uh, these highly trained police look an awful lot like uh, military police down there in El Salvador. And you can't see their face because they got black masks on. They got the batons and they've got the assault rifles, you know. Uh, anyway, more interesting than that. You look at the picture there. It's interesting. Uh What's fascinating to me as I was digging into El Salvador, what's happening down there, is the fact that the citizens who supported the new authoritarian regime that's locking up tens of thousands of citizens, they supported the regime. They were excited about the dramatic reduction in crime. Like, wow, you know, in just a few short years, we pretty much got rid of all the criminals. Holy smokes, it's amazing. Now the Salvadorans are waking up to the fact that when the government gets to make sweeping arrests based on you know, broadly defined terms, pretty much anyone who even vaguely opposes their authority can be arrested, you know, and or they can simply mysteriously disappear, as there are uh, plenty of of examples of that as well. These sentiments, friends, I'm going to share some sentiments here from the local Salvadorans. They talk about what's going on. It's out there in the news right now. And I think that it's, it's insightful. Okay. Says one Salvadorian. They said it was, it, 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 they, uh, okay, try that again. Quote, they said it was an order from the president that people should be brought in whether or not they were criminals and that if they didn't detain them, they'd be arrested themselves for not following the law. This came, uh, was claimed by a pregnant 24 year old lady. Okay. And she's saying, look, they, they said it, we, we got to turn them in. Otherwise we're going to get, we're going to get turned in. We're going to get arrested for not following the law. How about this little quote here? Quote, I see this as one more step towards the construction of author of an authoritarian state in which power is concentrated around one person and one family. Very familiar, very similar to what's happening in Nicaragua, says Jimmy Alvarado, an, an investigative journalist who's looking into what's going on down there. And then one more quote here. Quote, this isn't a war on gangs. This is a war on the people, seethed one woman from the city of Santa Ana who was looking for her brother and asked not to be named so that she didn't get round up and thrown into a terrorist confinement camp. Now, maybe what's happening in El Salvador was just a good idea that's gone awry. Perhaps the police state, El Policia, they just got... They got a little out of hand. They became a little overzealous and routing out the crime. Or, or maybe just maybe, El Salvador's new young global leader, Mr. Naib Bukele. This guy, Naib Bukele, is actually a global tyrant. Maybe he's a global tyrant. I mean, after all, on Twitter, he did claim in his Twitter bio to be the, quote, the coolest dictator in the world, period, end quote. Friends, sit with that for a bit. Sit with the fact that this guy who claims to be the coolest dictator in the world is rounding up tens of thousands of people and the people are starting to freak out a little bit. Now, let's circle back to the climate for a second here. Okay. Naibi, Naib Bukele sounds like a name that should be sitting in the U.S. Senate. <laughs> all right, all right. Anyway, Naib Bukele, he has ties to the global cabal. I put a link in there to the WEF website. He has, uh, you know, been, you know, crusading on this militaristic crackdown on criminals that was launched in a national campaign to boost renewable energy and digital currency. While he's locking tens of thousands of criminals in terrorist confinement centers, the locals are getting a little nervous because 
because it's starting to look like an authoritarian rule. And let's not forget this jackass thinks he's pretty damn cool. He's the coolest dictator in the world. I mean, call me crazy, friends, but when I see authoritarian dictators who are affiliated with the global cabal locking people into mega prison terrorist camps and crushing people that, you know, his citizens under the boot of tyranny to advance digital currency and the climate agenda, it just doesn't sit well. It's a little unnerving because the moral justification is impeccable, right? I mean, and what they do there they can do here. What can be done in one place? What a government can do in one place, they can do in another place. It's just a matter of figuring out how to manipulate the public mindset to accept the tyranny. So to get where I'm going with this, friends, I did put a, a, a selection of headlines into the report today. And I'm just going to read through them here real quick. DHS, Department of Homeland Security, says right-wing extremists committed most deadly terrorist attacks. America is in denial over its right-wing terrorists. Combating domestic terrorism and right-wing violent extremism. Right-wing terrorism and weapons of mass destruction. Right-wing extremists, a looming threat to the U.S. elections. The great danger, military-trained right-wing extremists. Right-wing extremism, the new age, new wave of global terrorism. The extreme right, climate change and terrorism. Now, any one of those articles um, are going to twist and distort reality and trying to twist and distort reality far enough to wrap one's head around the insanity is not necessary, strictly speaking. You know, these people are warped. Their ideas are incongruent with reality. And most of the time, they're projecting the exact opposite of reality. But here's the thing, friends. People believe it. Just like the people of El Salvador thought that electing the world's coolest dictator to round up all the terrorists was going to keep them safe, uh, so too, right here in the good old U.S. of A., have the seeds been sown into the American public's subconscious mind that right-wing extremism is, a, is fueling a new wave of global terrorism. That people believe that because they've been told repetitively. The question is, do you believe it? You know, it doesn't really matter because our leaders believe it. And let me ask you, because our leaders believe that right-wing extremism is fueling a, a new wave of global terrorism, what's a Democrat, Democratic government to do? Hmm? Hmm? And isn't it likely that these uh, these are probably the same right, far right extremist domestic terrorists? These are the same far right climate deniers who take issue with the government rationing food and fuel to fight climate change. And you connect the dots there. Follow me here. You know, this is all currently the craze among ac academic circles, by the way. They're, they're trying to ration food. They're trying to justify rationing food and fuel to fight climate change right here today. Okay, the link in the article. Now, at this point, come to find out even the spooks, even the deep state are starting to worry that some of these quote unquote climate solutions are actually going to lead to civil unrest or even trigger war. That's an article that's out today. Wow. Jeez, you know, people are getting a little antsy about all these climate solutions like rationing food, you know, uh, and fuel. And and just to drive the point home here, friends, the target of their concern, when the deep state says they're worried about, you know, civil unrest and triggering war because of climate solutions, who are they worried about? Are they worried about the, you know, the, the, the radical leftist environmental extremists? No, no. Here's who they're worried about. Again, friends, uh, five more uh, links here to articles for your perusal about how U.S. climate deniers are working with far-right racists. 
far-right climate denial is growing in Europe. The rise of the far-right from climate denial to eco-fascism. The far-right has moved from climate denial to obstructing climate action. How right-wing nationalism fuels climate denial. Just a small selection, a smattering, if you will. Friends, right-wing racists and climate deniers. Right-wing violent extremists. Right-wing terrorists. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? At some point, and it would only make sense that the government's going to have to track down, round up, and imprison these terrorists, right? I mean, they're going to have to put them into a terrorist confinement center or something, right? At least, I mean, how else are we going to uphold our global moral imperative to keep people safe and save the planet if we don't go lock up all of these right-wing racist climate deniers? You know, after all, we can't allow all these violent right-wing terrorists to obstruct all the necessary climate action like food rationing and public lockdowns and the abolition of private property. I mean, we've got to do that to save the planet. Oh, my gosh. You know, think about it, friends. Think about the implications. Sit with it for a bit and then ask yourself, who are the real criminals here? Friends, to answer that question, we have to read between the lies. And that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, friends, please do me the great honor. Go to the website, click that little heart, give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this Terrific Tuesday, (laughs) and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.